Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, 
Hello, we are in a very good mood this week, which doesn't always happen when you do a show all about death all the time, because we won not one, not two, but three British Podcast Awards on Saturday, and as you can hear, my voice is still sore, and I still feel a bit hungover. We won Best Entertainment, I know, a bit shocking, Best Interview and Podcast of the Year. Um, I'm still a bit stunned and I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for listening. If it wasn't for you having such excellent podcast choices, we would not have one. So thank you, genuinely thank you for wanting to hear about death and grief and for being brave enough to listen and allowing this conversation to just get louder because it is only by talking about these very hard and difficult things that we can start to understand them and help ourselves and each other. Um... Okay, I don't want to sound like I'm giving a speech at Harry and Meghan's wedding, but what a speech, though. My goodness, cried my eyes out. And not just because I was watching those, you know, two boys who are definitely in the club. So it's a good reminder. It happens to everyone. You are not alone. This week's guest is the brilliant Adam Megiddo. Adam is the co-founder of the Olivier award-winning showstopper, The Improvised Musical. If you haven't seen them yet, go. They are absolutely incredible. He's also an award-winning director and writer. He's worked extensively with Ken Campbell when he was alive and also with the Mischief Theatre Gang who created The Play That Goes Wrong. Adam came in to talk to me about both his parents, his father who died this year and his mum who died 18 years ago. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with one of the country's best improvisers, Adam Megiddo. I was so intrigued yes. as to how you were going I- to introduce me. And that is a crazy one. I was not expecting that. That came straight out of left field. But I did it because uh, I thought it'd make you laugh. Yeah, it did. Oh my God. The world's most bestest improviser, Adam Megiddo. An improviser. An improviser. <coughs> yeah. Writer as well, to be fair. Mm-hmm, yeah, I do yeah. some writing and directing. Yeah. And directing. You do lots of directing. Um, you create creator of Showstopper, the improvised musical. Co-creator. Co-creator. Yeah. Sorry, Dylan. <laughs> Actually, know you both. Co-creator, That's so director. So you came up with the entire thing, and you invented improv. But do you get that a lot? I feel like because I'm only saying this because we both like, we both do improv slash improv. Don't get us started on the difference; it's mm. too long. Yeah, there's a book there. There's a book there, um, but we've been doing it for a long time. But then if you, there's people who've been doing it longer. It's so it's so complicated, it's political. But I think because you do Showstopper and I do yeah. Ostentatious, and yeah. at the moment they are visibly famous yeah so then sometimes we do interviews they're like so you invented improvising and you have to be mm. like, oh no 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 that was you know something like uh you know, 60 to seventy thousand years ago <laughs> yeah. uh, other people did it someone <laughs> was like us. let's pretend yeah. yeah we've got dinner yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they had a nice time i'm sorry you did you co-created showstopper mm. but i think you're one of the best improvisers well, that is very kind to say. Um, I, <laughs> I never do. consider myself anything like that, of course. Really? But, um, no, because I just. In the UK? I'm, I'm just aware of seeing so many amazing improvisers that yeah. I sort of struggle to keep up with them. So I, for me, for me yeah. it's more like, you know, creating stuff and yeah. being a, a creator of things and a teacher of things. And I'm just very lucky to be involved in half of them, to be honest. You're so modest. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. It. I think, well, I, there are. The thing, I think sometimes when people say best, it implies that everyone else is shit. I don't mean <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, there's lots of amazing ones, but I def- you're one of my faves. Oh, And you're definitely you. one of my fave teachers. I think you're very... Because lots of people do improv and then just start teaching. Yeah. And, like, that, those two skills don't necessarily come together. No. But I think you no. are a good teacher and a good improviser. Thank you. I do love teaching. Yeah, I'm you're passionate really about it. teaching. Yeah, I've been teaching for yeah. a long time. I started teaching so long ago because... Um, 
I was so disappointed with the tuition <laughs> I was getting. So about really? at the age of 18, I started teaching. Really? Yeah, because I thought, hang on, this doesn't feel right. There's got to be a better way. So in wow. a way, teaching was, was a method of creating the environment that I really wanted to learn in. Wow, that's mm. amazing. So I've been doing it for a long time. Um, Adam, who are we remembering today? You know what? Pretty much everyone. Um, they've all gone. <laughs> they've all gone. They've, uh, they've all gone. Pretty much all of my family have gone. Wow. My mother, my father, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. Wow. So I have a sister and uh, she has a son and that's kind of my family left, really. That's it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So where was your... Do you want to start at the beginning or the recent? I feel like... Um, wherever, really. Yeah. I, I, here's the other thing that I've realised about this. Uh, as soon as I put down the phone to you and, yeah. and agreed to do this... Yes. I realised I have never spoken about this at wow. all. I, I just haven't spoken about it. So I have yeah. no idea what's going to happen to me emotionally as we talk about it. You're I really, a, I genuinely don't yeah. know. And maybe why I haven't spoken about it is part of, part well, it's of interesting the discussion. Because know. we've known each other a long time and I recently found out you were telling me you had someone you knew had died, someone in your family, recently. And I wasn't like, as other people, I'd be like, oh, do you want to come on the show? And I was, again, like, does Adam want... I wasn't sure. Mm. Whereas with other people, I'd be like, oh, sure, that I know that they'll talk about it. But I think it's... You're very you're very open, but you're also very private about something. Yeah, yeah. Which I think yeah, is I unusual think so. in performers, because sometimes performers, it's like, it's just all there. You know everything. You know what I mean? You know who yeah. they slept with, you know what they're eating, you know, yeah, just everything. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I just haven't spoken about it, and I don't really know why that is. I just, um, I don't know if it's a closed subject and yeah. it's something I haven't investigated, or if it's something that I've sort of processed very quietly and personally. Yeah. Um, but other than the obvious conversations that you would have, you know, organising funerals and things yeah, like that, or, yeah. or close friends who would say to you, are you okay? I have, certainly haven't talked in any length about uh, the fact that all my family are gone. Yeah. Oh, I feel very privileged. <laughs> I do, but I, yeah, but I don't know where to begin. Let's work backwards. Yeah, my father died recently. Yeah, so, so that's that, a few months ago. Yeah, which is I think let's start there because that's when I had the conversation with you, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So, what's your dad's name? So he he was called Ivo Ivo Megiddo. Ivo Megiddo, and uh, he was a dancer and choreographer who came over from the Middle East in the fifties. Wow! So he was born in Cairo in the late twenties. And his family were traveling, you know, they're sort of, his father was from Greece, I think Corfu, and his mother was French, Italian, Russian. Wow. So there's a huge mix yeah. uh, in that family. And they came over to settle in Cairo and then into Israel and then came over here. He came over here in the 50s to study at the Royal Ballet School. Wow. Um, and then he went on and had a career as a dancer and a choreographer and then eventually a teacher. You've talked to me about your dad before, and he mm. does sound like the most exotic man possible. Like I, he's I, a character. He's yeah. a character. There's no doubt about yeah. it. A I saw very a picture strong Omar character. Sharif, like in my head, like that kind of like. If you picture a small, a smaller <laughs> Omar Sharif with a toupee, uh, then you're not far off. Actually, okay, you're not cool. too far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was your relationship like with him? I know it's not that's a simple question. It, it was extremely problematic. Right. Um, yeah. We didn't speak in the last seven years of his life. Wow, last seven years? Yeah. Was and there an incident that caused that? Or? No, there was a build-up of incidents okay. over a long period. He's a very, very difficult man. And it's difficult to really pin down exactly what that was all about. Mm. Uh, and one could probably puzzle over that for a long time. But for me, um, he was, I think, a solipsist in that the world only really existed in terms of how he perceived it. Right. So that 
that's going to make for some very difficult family relationships. That doesn't make very, very dad issues. Like, <laughs> like, doesn't make a good dadding, does it? Like, no, it's it's yeah. problematic. And yeah. and it took me a long time to realise. Oh well, that's actually what's going on. Yeah. You know, this is not an evil man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is just a man who has his own issues, and I think I kind of picked my way through a lot of them. Yeah. I managed to separate, therefore, my own issues from his. Yeah, um, yeah. But. Even though we had a sort of on-off relationship for many years, it got to the stage where I thought, this is sort of um, a difficult, almost abusive relationship mm. in that he's quite, uh, he could be very verbally and emotionally abusive. So I, I think if I was advising a friend of mine what to do, I'd say, get out of it and don't look back. Yeah. And I sort of listened to my own advice. And I, I thought, well, I really feel that I've done many, many things to try and have a relationship. Mm. I've tried to rethink it from his point of view, from my point of view. Um, I've tried broaching the subject with him. I've tried talking about it. I've tried not talking about it. I've tried so many things that in the end I thought, I think this is over and I think yeah. I should go for my own well-being and my own sanity, which is what I did. So seven years ago, you just, you didn't have like a big row. You just sort of stopped. We did that. actually have a huge, oh, we did, did actually have a huge row, but oh. it wasn't, it was, it was the end of a long build-up of a Cold War. Wow. We had a huge row. And I've been trying to think, is that the last time I spoke to him? I'm yeah. not sure. It might have been. I, we might have spoken a few times since then. I just can't quite remember. That's certainly the last conversation I remember having because it was wow. a big argument. Um, and then, and that was about, so that was seven years ago. Yeah. And did you, in that argument, did you kind of be, say, like, that's it? Was it that kind of, or was it just no, an argument? No, it was just a... You know, it was an, it's a lot of things that needed to be expressed, stuff yeah. that I'd been holding back. I just wasn't prepared to hold it back anymore. Wow. So it was expressed uh, it loudly on the phone, on the steps of the drill hall. Oh, God. <laughs> it was a horribly public scene. I, I, and this is a privilege of having someone you know come and do this show, like, because I've known you for a while, and you have a very contained energy that's very nice to be around. But the idea of you shouting... I can imagine it's quite scary. Well, I don't lose my temper very often, but when yeah. I do it, it really blows. And yeah, it, and yeah. You know. <laughs> That's what I but he was, he, you know, he was um, someone whose temper blew all the time. I mean, right. He was extremely temperamental and would fly off the handle and then it was as if it never happened. Wow. Um, and that's just a, it could also be to some degree part of his cultural upbringing that people yeah. express themselves a lot more like that. But it didn't feel that way growing <laughs> up and you had to really kind of unpick all that uh, yeah. as I grew older. I had to really unpick that. Um, so I've always felt that losing one's temper in that way was a slightly ugly thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Very British of me. <laughs> uh, but I do feel that. And and it's very difficult to shake that off, actually. Yeah. I have that with me for life. It's like, oh, I don't even want to lose my temper in public. Ah, I want to but then of... I can understand if your dad is, like you said, not from here and, and loses his temper all the time yeah. as a child, that it's probably very scary and confusing. So I can imagine making a decision of like, okay, it, it'd be safer and easier if I don't do that. Yeah, I think so. And I was a particularly oversensitive child. Oh, bless. You know, really kind of frail, fragile, oh, skinny God. thing. <laughs> and uh, I'm baby Megiddo. Yeah, oh. And it's just like, it wasn't a good mix. It yeah. was not a good mix. But therein lie life's lessons. Yeah. Are you more like your mum, would you say then? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So your dad died a couple of months ago. What, 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 you know, what happened? How did you find out then if you're... Well, um, my sister had, has really given up a huge part of her life to be his full-time carer and wow. to look after him as he, as he, you know, he's basically just broke down uh, yeah. through old age. Um, and he was 92 when he died. <gasps> wow. So for the last 12 years, my sister has really been... Uh, a saint and yeah. has given up her life to look after him and 
to take all that uh, crazy behaviour from him and Jeez. absorb it. Did they get be on the better? They had a very tempestuous relationship. I mean, there was a time, you know, going back 20 years or so, where she wouldn't speak to him. Right. Pretty much everyone who ever knew my father <laughs> fell out with him. Right. All of his family refused to talk to him okay. at different times. Yeah. Uh, so my sister knows exactly what that's like. But she really came to the conclusion that she wanted to make sure she would see him out of this world and wow. be with him for whatever that took. And yeah. it's it's come at huge personal expense to her, oh no God, doubt. Yeah. Uh, but she's been amazing the way she's done it. So it was my sister who was looking after him. Um, and I got the text on the Saturday morning of the London 50-hour Improvathon. So we should, uh, we should, should explain. caveat explain. Yeah. yeah, we should just pause and go. So the Improvathon is a thing yeah. that we both do. Yeah. Uh, that you you started, you set it up. Well, really. I brought it over from Canada. Uh, Ken Campbell had brought it over yeah. once and we said, oh, let's do this. So then yeah. I started producing it. Yeah. So we improvise for 50 hours and people go, oh, but you don't Why? do the whole thing. Why do you do that? And we yeah. do, yeah. So if we start on Friday night, we finish on Sunday. Mm. And I mean, not everyone, like some people just come and do two hours, three hours, or since I've had a baby, I do like four and I'm like, bye guys. Um, but most people do nonstop improvising. Mm. And we have like, there's a break every hour, 45 minutes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you get a 15 minute break every yeah. hour, 45. And the equivalent we always say is like, it's like watching a box set. So it's yeah. like you just settle in and you do 50 hours. Yeah. And with the yeah. audience, some of the audience stay for that whole long mm. time. So you get the call, just to put this in contact, on the Saturday morning. Yeah, so I'd been awake for... Oh, I don't know. Well, I'd already been awake for about 30 hours. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. it makes me feel sick now. Now I've had a baby, I can't cope with it. I'm just like, no, Adam, no. Yes, yeah, sleep deprivation is not part of entertainment yeah. for you, is it? No, yeah. not anymore. Not yeah. anymore. It's a sign of a breakdown. Um, and the I, we should say, the idea is like the the less you sleep, the purer you can improvise because you're obviously yeah. not really thinking anymore. You're just Your censorship reacting. system kind of is too tired and it just falls asleep. So you have yeah. this freedom that you don't normally get. Yeah. Which can result in some very funny scenes. For sure. And also some very startling. Yeah, <laughs> startling no doubt. Scenes. So you get, so she te- you say you got a text. Yes. So you were, and we should also say you normally don't perform, you're normally directing. So you're That's normally right, calling yeah. the scenes and sort of shaping the show. Mm. If you don't understand how we're explaining it, come and watch it. <laughs> we do it once a year. That's probably the best thing to say. So... I can't imagine your mental state anyway because you haven't slept for 30 hours and you're controlling about 25 imaginary people Mm. at this point who also haven't slept so are kind of looking to you really as a god slash father figure at this point and kind of being like Adam my character's not doing anything can you please like make me feel better as people do to you in the Impulsion did you just did you just go nope not gonna deal with this I've got a whole weekend or did you I don't know in many ways it might have been the best way to find out yeah because I was involved in something and I love that improvathon so much and I love that community so much that I just had to carry on but also um you know I hadn't had a relationship with him for seven years so in many ways I I kind of had already disconnected yeah so my sister kept saying to me on a number of occasions you know are you going to be all right with this she'd say are you okay with this because there's going to come a day when we hear that he's died and are you going to are you going to regret that you didn't have a relationship with him and I kept saying look every time you ask me I think about it as freshly as I can yeah but I I feel I've made peace with this and that's my decision and that's yeah. what it's going to be. So actually when the when I got the text I was amazed at how how calm I was when I got it and yeah. I just suddenly in many ways just felt a relief because I knew that, that he'd been suffering and even though I didn't have a relationship with him I certainly didn't want him to be suffering. No. So I knew that his suffering was over and that to a large degree 
my sister's suffering uh, yeah. could be alleviated. And I felt a sort of uh, a sense of inevitability and a sense of release looking at it and going, well, there you are, that's it now. I think for some people, I can understand, like, especially, you know, I have a brother and I can understand, like, that sisterly worry of, like, oh, has he really thought? Has he really thought? But I think because, again, this is only because I know you, you think about things so much and I think you don't take things lightly. But I can understand, you know what I mean? I think for some people it would be like, that's it, I'm not talking to them. But I know mm. like you would have weighed that up yeah, sure, very yeah. heavily and no, made that, that decision a- with great thought. Yeah. So I think I can totally understand how that that when you get the text, you're like, yeah, I am okay with this. Rather and one than- can't say, you know, you can't say that is the right or the wrong decision. No, All you can say is, well, that felt right for me. Yeah. And I and I still feel that that was the right decision for me. Yeah. And that's the way it was. I think that's the hard thing with grief and parents and that relationship of like, there isn't a right or wrong. It's like you said, no. it's just like, that's so interesting that your sister was able to go, no, the right for me is to be absolutely involved in this man's life. And the right for you was like, to be completely not involved. Like, yeah. completely different reactions. But yeah. It sounds like you were both being very honest. Mm. It's very good that your sister was, and you were able to support each other. Because I can imagine if it was a difficult relationship, it might be like, well, you know, fuck you. I'm what, now I'm doing everything, or you're not involved. And yeah. No, my sister never put pressure on me in that yeah, regard, which is part of her amazing sacrifice. I think because yeah. she knew that that would just, I don't know how I would have coped with it. I wouldn't yeah. have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to maintain that sort of relationship because yeah. I, I just wouldn't have been able to go back there and had that relationship with my father. So in my only regret really is that I wasn't able to support my sister more because yeah. of the, the decision I made. But I really do feel that I had to make that decision for my own survival, really. Yeah. It was not, those were not easy times in my childhood. Oh, God, but you have to know yourself really well to be able to do that. Like, I think a lot of people do do right. things out of oh, I'm going to do it because I feel bad or because I feel this, you know, I should, I should. I mm. think to have the strength, I think it takes a lot of strength to know yourself that well, to go, this is what I have to do, this is what I need, otherwise I'll collapse. Like, I think that's, I'm, I'm saying a nice thing about you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm weighing it up as yeah, you're talking. I'm thinking, see. yeah, is you're that going, right? Is that... is that right? It does feel right. <clears throat> I mean, it feels like um, that the strength of it is probably in that I haven't changed my mind since. Yeah. That I feel yeah. that that is, that was right for me. And that was, a, to be honest, it was a survival tactic. Yeah. It was like, I really have to do this if I'm going to have my life back and yeah. live again. You know, I have to do this. God, it is. Because I also, I also talk like, me and my dad had a difficult relationship, definitely. But I don't think it was ever as bad that I felt I couldn't have, I don't know, obviously, because he didn't live past me being 15, but... In my head, if I imagine him still around, I think it would have still been tempestuous, but I still would have wanted him around. Like, I yeah. still would have been okay. Yeah. And I have friends who have very complicated relationships with parents who literally go, I can't be near them. And I think it is important. And yeah, some people, it isn't worth it. it isn't, no, you know, it's, it's a personal thing. Yeah. What can you say? It's, it's completely personal. So did you go to the funeral? I did. You yes. did go to the funeral. It was the second funniest funeral <laughs> I've ever been to. Of course, the first being the first being another great loss for yeah. us, which is Ken Campbell, who yeah. was a great teacher for us and yeah. a mentor, really, and a door opener for both of us. Wasn't yeah, it? definitely. Wasn't he? Definitely. Um, that was a, an entertaining funeral. Yeah. So, what for your dads? What happened at your dads? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, it was such a strange event. Um, it was very small, very small gathering. Mm. It really, it was my me and my sister and her immediate family and Ruth was with me and um, then some of my father's 
other family. He had another family before wow. my family okay. were there, but that we've you know we hadn't spoken to them for many many years oh. really. So it was a very small gathering, and my sister asked me to select the music, and I thought. Well, he was a dancer, and I thought you can't have miserable music all the time. No, so no. I thought all that jazz <laughs> would actually work quite well. And I did yeah. sit down and I pictured this, and I went, "I can imagine being there, and they're playing all that jazz as we're just taking a moment to remember him." And I thought, "Yeah, that would work actually." Yeah. All that jazz it. from you, Chicago. Yeah. yeah, I can see it. What I didn't understand, what I didn't <laughs> anticipate, is that they would use it as the playout music for the coffin. So when the guys came in to lift up the coffin, they did it in time to the music. I don't think they'd planned to. I just think they could. They heard. And they couldn't help it, and they started like, literally bending their knees on the beat and lifting the coffin. I was sitting there going, "I can't believe this is happening." And then we were following the coffin out. Me and I was with my sister. We were behind the coffin, walking down the aisle of the chapel, and my sister said, "Adam, who is that woman?" And we looked over like a bank of empty seats, and、yeah. there was this woman sitting there at the back, grey-haired woman who neither of us had ever seen before. Oh my god! And she said, "Who is that?" I went, "Oh." It's probably going to turn out to be our real mother. I mean, my, our family is so filled with bizarre, eccentric secrets that who knew who that woman was?、Oh、I don't know who that woman was. None of us know who that woman was. Just random. But it was one of yeah, it was one of those bizarre moments of、uh, oh、that、God. you get really only in death. I'd like to point out you have worked with the Mischief Theatre guys quite a lot. Yeah, I love、wrong. them dearly. Yeah. And it feels like you might have accidentally directed a farcical funeral. The funeral that goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, the funeral yeah. that goes wrong. Feels like your comedy instincts were just too good, <laughs> and you were like, "Actually, all that jazz would be quite funny." Oh my god! So you do still don't know who the woman was? Just a random、nah, woman. No, no idea who it was. Oh my god! But we did. You know, it, it was an unusual、uh, upbringing.、Yeah. And what's so unusual about it is that I didn't get how unusual it was until lo- a lot later in life. Yeah. Because of course you normalise everything,、just、and you think, know, "Oh, that's just that's normal, right?" And then you see your neighbours, and you think, "Oh, that's a bit." Weird. Why do they live like this? But actually, then you realise, no, actually, we've had a very strange life. Both my parents were dancers. They were both dancers.、Yeah. My mother was my father's student. Twenty-year、uh, gap between them. Scandal、yes. at the time, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So maybe she was just another random. Well, could have been another student. Another... Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? So this was just a couple of months ago. Yeah, a few months ago now. So how? So since then, you're feeling like. Like, do you feel like you're grieving, or do you feel like you did that a while ago? Because, yeah, I think、know. I, I think I did that a while ago. Yeah.、Um, now, of course, my main concern is for my sister. Yeah, yeah.、Um, yeah, I think, I think I made peace with that a while back. That's amazing. I think that's really amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, a it, you know, you never know. Yeah, it you might never come know. Hit you when you're least <laughs> expecting it, but I, it does feel peaceful,、yeah. and it does feel like I've made my peace with that. And in order to, to like you said, you, you, you know, you said, oh, you must have thought about that decision,、yeah. and must have had a certain strength in it to validate that decision. You have to be absolutely sure that that's, yeah, that's right. I think that's it. If you're going to say, I don't want to speak to your father, like you got, you got to know、yeah. that when, yeah, when time comes, you won't regret it. You're、yeah. like, no, this is the right thing to do. And I'm just, I'm genuinely glad that he's. You know,、yeah. not suffering anymore. Was he very ill? It was a long, drawn out.、Uh, what did, what、yeah. did he die of in the end?、Um, I don't know. In、oh. the end, I think it, it really was just、um, uh, old, he'd been really degenerating for、yeah. a very long time. I mean, for a very long time. Wow. Over twenty years or so. God, and as a dancer, that must be hard. Yeah. As well. Yeah, that was not, very, very hard. For yeah,、him. not to be able to physically do what you want to do anymore. Yes. Later in life, he took up art. That was his thing. That was、oh. so he did a lot of painting. And, 
drawing of people and would sit in Brent Cross Shopping Centre <laughs> really? drawing people. So if you were ever in uh, oh, Brent mate, Cross... I spent a uh, lot of time in my In the childhood. 90s or the noughties, then you would... And you saw that man who looked like Omar Sharif with the toupee painting you? That was my father. Do you know what? I... I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. And I basically lived at Brent Cross, thanks to my mother being like, you really done. what do you want to do at the weekend? Should we go to Brent Cross? <laughs> Trip to Brent Cross, everybody. I thought that's what people did until I realised she was shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. me and my so, brother thought it was a fun thing to do. So that's obviously your most recent one. So when did your mum pass away? So my mother died 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Wow, so how old yes. are you? Yes, so I was 29. Oh, that's quite young. And she had, uh, that was breast cancer. And were you much closer to your mother? Much closer to my mother, and that was... A really, yeah, incredibly difficult time and very, very difficult experience. And still is actually yeah. that one still is because, uh, you know, you still, I st- something happens and I think, oh, I must just call my mum and tell her, and then you catch yourself and go, yep, can't, can't do that. And it still happens eighteen years on. I know it's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? That it's still your brain makes that like little connection. Yeah, it's an impulse. It's, a, it's an embedded impulse. Yeah, I don't think I get it so much because I was so young. But Ben, my husband, who lost his yeah dad when he was like in his late twenties, his mum like mid thirties, he said he still still gets the phone call thing. Oh yeah. But I think because I was still living with my dad, I don't have that like I would have called him anyway. Yes. <laughs> I would have just gone home. So was she um, sick for a long time, or what happened? She had uh, she had breast cancer about fifteen years previously, oh, wow. and the treatment had been successful, and it had gone away. And then it came back and then it came back and it just came back so suddenly and within six months wow. she had died. And it was a very, uh, very shocking time because we thought that you know, the prognosis was basically quite good. Yeah. And um, the treatment seemed to be working quite well, even second time round. And then suddenly it was like, no, you have to come in. She's, oh, she's, God. she's on her way out. So was she in hospital at the time? Yeah. Having yeah, the so treatment? She died in hospital, yeah. And were they together? Were your mum and dad together? Yes, they were. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can I, I mean, this, I'm being very personal, but like, how Go did your it. dad deal with that? Well, not well. Uh, well, because just what you've I described mean, him, uh, I was thinking, mm, yeah. yeah. I mean... Especially if he was 20 years older, that must have not been what anyone thought was going to happen in that kind no. of, you can't help yourself but play out a narrative. No, and he was the kind of, you know, depressive, angst-ridden uh, yeah. character. My mum was the sunshiny, mm. uh, positive, optimistic yeah. character. So... You would never have felt it was going to happen that way round. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, of course, he found it incredibly difficult. We all did. We all did. God. So were you, you know, so you weren't living at home then, but you were like, I guess in, this is in, you're from London, aren't you? Yeah. 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 So you're just, were you working at the time? So what happened did, when she died? Were you with her? I was with her when she died. I closed her eyes after she died. I, um just remember that that sort of bizarre feeling that death brings of complete peace mm. because there's nothing you can do the, the feel it's not quite helplessness it's no. more resignation to life's processes isn't it <laughs> it's just like here we are yeah. and this moment is intense and powerful but it's also slightly beautiful mm. because it is as close and as connected to real reality as you can yeah. possibly get um and we'd obviously had a little bit of time to get used to the fact that this was coming and that this was inevitable. Did and you so ha- you just hoped it was a quiet and peaceful passing. Did you have any an opportunity to speak to her at all? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, I got to say goodbye. You did? Yeah, I got to say goodbye. And I got to check in with her that she knew what was happening. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Was she in pain or was it kind of like yeah, medication? Yeah, she was in pain, but they medicated very yeah. well and I think they did as best a job as they could, really. Mm. So it was a very different passing. Yeah, that sounds like, as ever, just the way that the world and life works, like, so opposite. But then it sounds like they were very opposite. So yeah. I think what, yeah, they were. the more deaths I've come across, the more... It, you know, I'm sort of thinking you live as you die in a, in a way. Like, obviously, that doesn't mean if you're happy and great, you'll have a happy and great death. But the process of it, yeah, it, it's... What am I trying to say? It's just so different for each person. It, it, there isn't a formula. Yeah. Even with if they have cancer, like, and they're at the same hospital, there isn't a formula for how someone goes. Yeah, yeah. I like what you said there about that piece... I know what you mean, but yeah, it's almost like you can't... What is it? The only way I can describe it is it feels like a genuine full stop. Mm-hmm. And there's not many times in your life you get a genuine full stop. Yeah, Or like a true. genuine end of... It feels like... I'm so obsessed with narrative. It feels like, this is definitely the end of a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is the point that the film, you know, there's a it cuts to black and then we start again. Because it's just... But there is a piece to it, which I think is a very nice way to describe it. So how did you cope after she had died when you'd obviously been much much closer to her was that very hard did you feel like you went through the grieving process then yeah I I mean I don't know because I don't know how I would describe what is a grieving process it's something that I'd got used to I'd I'd realized that this was going to happen um that there was no way we could save her and then it was just coping with that sense of loss yeah um but that is coping isn't it it's not it you know i i've I've certainly been on the other end of this where i'm counseling someone who is grieving and they say i can't cope i can't cope and you you have to remind them well this is this is the coping you are here and you're going through whatever you're going through that is coping Mm. um and i had some support around me and it was obviously a difficult time but it was there's something about the inevitability of it that makes me think well you just cope. You just deal with it. I never forget um, when, after Ben's dad died, and he was having a real, like, this maybe it was like a year or something, and we were like, he was having this row, and he was like, I'm just not coping. And I, I remember saying to him, and he said this always stuck with me, I was like, this is it. This feeling shit, and like not wanting to get up and feeling awful like the world is collapsing. I was yeah. like, that is coping. This that is, is your coping. coping. This is coping. Because you yes. are here and you got up. Yeah. That's it. Like that's all you can do is just, if you carry on to the next day, you've coped. Yeah. But you, I think people think coping is feeling better. Mm-hmm. It no, is. absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. It's it not definitely that at all. isn't. It definitely isn't. And also, you, you, you know, you want to make sure you live a good life because of yeah. the person who brought you into the world. Yeah, and yeah. So you, you've got things to focus on. Um, and you can focus on the memory of them and you can focus on the positives. Um, and that's, I know, you know, absolutely know that that's what my mother would have wanted. Yeah. Um, and that phrase, what they would have wanted, is a really bizarre one, isn't it? It's really, yeah. It's it, like you're directing yourself <laughs> uh, somehow. It's also, you always have to trust that you do know what they wanted because people surprise you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm very close to my mum, but I still think do I really know what she, you know, in every account? You just, and that's what I don't like sometimes. You like when people are like, oh, it's what you would have wanted. You have to think, well, it's what we think he would have wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it's our best educated guess. Did you have any counselling or anything after your mum or did you just get sort of, you know, get on with it? Not immediately, no. I think I, I've been through different forms of counselling mm. and therapy at different times in life. I don't think I had anything immediately around that time. 
No, I don't know how I've processed it, actually, Carrie. I don't know. I've just decided that that's happened. <laughs> it happened. It happened. And now very, I miss her very much yeah. and a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's, that is the business of being a human on planet Earth. You're going to experience that and yeah. on you go. It's, but you're, you're very stoic about it. I'm a pretty stoic person. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty stoic. Do, have you always been like that? Or do you feel like you've developed stoicism? I've developed stoicism, oh, really? definitely. Oh, yeah, because you said you were very sensitive. Mm, yeah. So do you think it's a way of protecting yourself because you were so sensitive as a child? You've had to, like, go, right, I'm going, this is the little coat I'm going to put on to make myself be able Maybe. to be sensitive. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't know where that comes from. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's difficult to know. Because what did you, what would you, when you were a child and you say you were oversensitive, like, what was your reaction more likely to be as a child is what I'm wondering. Like, there wouldn't have been like, okay, I'll, I'll just get on with it. What oh, would I would have been pushed to tears very quickly oh, really? and um, uh, much more emotional and emotionally expressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then, uh, really, through my teens, started to close that down. Wow. Some of that in a protective and healthy sense, some of it in an, un- in an unhealthy yeah, sense, yeah. which I've had to obviously process since. And that's an ongoing thing for me in life, is yeah, yeah. processing how I how I do that and why I do that sort of thing. You're but fair. stoicism, yeah, I think yeah. I'm pretty stoic. You're very stoic. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you've just described is the epitome <laughs> of stoicism. Like, well, I just decided that's, that's being a human. Life. That's life, yeah. And also, I'm just thinking, because I know, and again, this is the privilege of knowing you, the privilege of knowing you, Adam, you're a very emotional performer. Like, you're not someone who isn't emotional when you perform, which sometimes, especially in improv, you get people who just aren't very good. Uh, expressing emotions you know they, they can do story or they can be funny but when it comes to anything sensitive but you are the most sensitive emotional form do you think that allows you yeah. is that what you like you allow that little bit to peek out again yeah for it? sure well I think that's why I got into the whole subject in the first place yeah. sort of age 13 to 15 was when I really started to discover it it was like here's a safe place yeah. for my emotions yeah. I can be as emotional as I like and the only consequence is people say oh that was good well done <laughs> Uh, whereas in life, my emotions were yeah. really going through a, a tempestuous place because of how my father would process them yeah. and what they meant to him. Remember, he's a solipsist. He yeah. was a solipsist. So it, 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 my emotions were not my own. They were re- a reflection of him. And, oh, my cursed life. Look at my son is doing this. That's my curse to carry and my cross to bear. It's like, Whoa, okay. Wow. That's that you don't get that when you're thirteen. There's no way of understanding why that could happen or why yeah. someone would do that other than your father doesn't like you is yeah. the sort of sentence that comes in. Your father judges you, you are bad. And you you know, there's no other it's very difficult to get any balance on that until later in life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think that father son dynamic is so like that's what I, I have it's again, it's like I think it's mother daughter thing, it's hard to explain. It can be much more complicated. I don't know, you get into this whole idea of gender, but my my dad and my brother had a, a complication that I that I never quite understood. Because mm-hmm. we both had the same father who was complicated for very different reasons, but there was always, yeah, I guess I can see a softness that he had with me that he didn't have with him. I can see it. It's really hard. I couldn't describe it to yeah. you. I couldn't pinpoint it. I couldn't say, but I could just in the... The manner on the way, or I guess when people are emotional or things happen, the way I was dealt with, there's just an, even if it's like 1% of softness yeah. over what my brother would get, it obviously adds up, doesn't it? So I think it maybe, is amazing. Yeah. And, and when you know, you look at other people's relationships, yeah. other father son relationships, yeah. or other mother daughter relationships, or whatever, and you go, What must that be like? <laughs> yeah, what must it be like? What kind of different, what person would I be? Yeah. 
if that was my upbringing instead. And there's no blame attached to this. No, it's not like no. I blame my father for what he did. He he just was the way he was. Yeah. But you, um, it, it's so uh, bizarre to think about the alternative lifelines yeah, yeah. and time streams you would have lived in uh, had yeah. your familial relationships been different. I find, especially since having a child, and I see Ben being a dad and he I mean obviously I would say this I think he's an amazing dad but I see him do things and I think why is he doing that that's not what dads do uh, like yeah, and having right. to be like oh Gary that dads can do they can yeah. do that they this can is be ben, a, dad they can be around yeah it's not a hassle <laughs> it, like if you ask them to do things it's not an interruption or you know they're working which my dad had this big thing of like the work men we just weren't allowed to go near him. You know, he was working. And, like, yeah, I, I, I sort of, you start looking at your child thinking, wow, she's going to have a completely different mm. relationship with her dad that I, yeah, I struggle to understand. Because mm. I often think, oh, she's going to really like him. <laughs> What's that like? It's that like if he's like there and she likes him, that'll be, that'll be nice for her. I've got, like, got a good friend who's an actor and he, uh, He's just the most positive person on the planet. Yeah. And he's just positive all the time. And every time something happens, he'll go, oh, well, maybe we could do this. And he just seems undaunted by obstacle. And I said to him <laughs> once, how, how are you like this? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, oh, I don't really know. And he thought about it a bit. And he said, well, my father would treat everything as an initiative test. Wow. He's like everything that happens, you know, potential disasters coming their way. Yeah. Well, all right. All right, family, this is an initiative test. Let's pull together and see what we can do. Yeah. And I looked at him in awe and I just <laughs> thought I have no concept of what that would be like. I can't I can imagine, you know, I yes, I can imagine, yeah, but yeah. I can't live that through you. I can't vicariously yeah. experience it and I certainly can't directly experience it. Yeah. That's just, that accounts for so much. So much. That reminds me of my dad because it was always like his his catchphrase was um don't give me problems, give me solutions. Mm-hmm. To everything mm-hmm. so even like oh i can't find my shoes don't give me problems give me solutions like let's work through where were they this which i was talking to my therapist about it and i was like it's a great attitude for business it's quite hard for a family yeah. like but like you know you work yeah. with me like if i'm in a situation like right guys let's work mm-hmm. this out how are we going to do this i've got ideas adam you give me ideas we can all do this and it's like i can see myself what was called in my childhood being bossy, but I now know is leading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can see it's a really stre- a real good strength. And it definitely comes with my dad. But I can also see it's tiring. It's really tiring having to, like, drive all the time like yeah. that and feel like you have to. And Which, again, like, yeah, I'm just saying, like, the there's never a, you know, even though your friend has a positive attitude, there's always this other side to it. Of like, I bet that's tiring, always being on initiative tests. Mm, yeah. I bet once you just wanted your dad to solve a problem. Yes. Just say, or, say, or just have a row with you. Yeah, yeah. or just not worry about it. Go, oh, well, it'll be all right. But yeah, like I am incapable of not trying to fix things, definitely. Yeah. And then, of course, what happens when you know that they've gone? Yeah. Are you left with this character that you only had because of your yeah. relationship with them and how do you do you, you, know, do you, do you feel you about that like do you feel like like you said oh yes yeah, this the stoicism that you develop do you feel like i i think i know the answer to this but like do you regret that that's what you've had to do or are you you're in a place where you're happy with your character i am so amazingly selfish <laughs> i'm so happy with my character i really i really have a great time being me <laughs> I really do. I'm so selfish. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know if it's selfish. I think it can. It's, it's like there's all things. There's definitely there's elements a scale. of selfishness. Yeah, there's an element yeah. of selfishness, but also it's an element of 
self-preservation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, and like self-assuredness, which is fine. Yeah. But so, and I, I'm going to be honest about the negative qualities. Too. Yeah, sure, Definitely sure. some selfishness. Yeah. You know, profoundly so at times. But uh, <laughs> but I'm kind of happy with that. You know, it's not like I go around pretending I'm not that. But you're one of those sneaky, quiet, selfish people. I think that's the deadly combination. They're deadly. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, and people will laugh, but you're a Libra. My brother's a Libra. My husband's a Libra. So. Libra time. Yeah, and my brother definitely has that. He he has ability to get his own way in the quietest. Whereas I'm much more like, if I want something, I have to. I shout about. I want this. This yeah. is how I want it to be because I don't trust it. I'm going to get it. Whereas my brother, it's like that stealth selfishness, which I think mm-hmm. I do recognise in you. Of like, it's just happened. Suddenly, we are doing what Adam wanted, but. It, there's a there's a want to make that person happy because yeah. it's sort of like but I don't know it's the, it's it's very hard like you said to pin down. Well, I guess I've distilled my father's solipsism yeah. and my mother's rampant optimism and generosity <laughs> and sort of come up with this sort of tepid water tepid water of selfishness somewhere in the middle. It's really working for you. Though. Yeah, it is working actually. Yeah, yeah, it's working. So you feel like at peace with what you inherited from, or especially from him, because obviously there's always the one parent that you're like, ugh, look what I got from you, I think, sometimes. Well, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now, obviously you feel like you've now you come at peace. Was there a time yeah. then when you were, like, do you ever get this? Because I do wonder this about your stoicism. Like, it is a, is it, it's a reaction to how your dad behaved. Uh, in a large part, must be, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So do you ever you feel, not, what's the word, like, resentful? Like that you've had to do that? Is there, is there ever a part of Adam that wants to behave in the way that your dad did? Is there ever that like, fuck it, why can't I do that? Um, no, I think there's probably, well, if it is, that's a very unconscious part and I haven't come to recognise it. Yeah. And it's, pro- and it's quite likely that that exists. Uh, but I just don't see it. It's a blind spot, I would have yeah. thought. But I, I also would fear to be so solipsistic yeah, yeah. and temperamental. Like I said earlier, I don't like losing my temper in public because it makes me feel like it's ah, it's what he did, and I didn't like that. <laughs> ah, this is so ugly. Um, so I really wouldn't want to be that way. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, that comes at a certain cost. When sometimes you have to be that way, or, yeah. you, or, or it's really advantageous to be that way, or yes. self-expressive to be that way, and you yes. want to purge something, and you're not. You know, you're a little bit trapped. I say you. I say I mean me. Yeah. I. <laughs> but isn't that's what I mean? Because that's what I mean. We were saying. I'm not being very clear today, but like. When you think a parent has a negative quality, they do to you as a child, but that quality will be positive in other ways. Like my dad with his business, it was like I could see that as a dad, sometimes it was really shit, but I could see when he was at work, it was yeah. really great. And like you'll see, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm sure as a father, that temperamentalness, but perhaps as a dancer, that's why everyone was like, oh God, you know, he just, oh yeah, he's he on was, fire. Like, that's true, he was meant to be. Quite an astounding dancer. He was Bob Fosse's principal dancer for a, for a while. Yeah, worked with Martha Graham and wow. um, Alvin Ailey and Tally Beatty and Jerome Robbins. And did you see him dance? Um, a little um, in the seventies when I was growing up, and I could see him, you know, do a dance class or something. But oh, it was wow. before I really knew what it all meant. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen. Um, obviously, I'm aware of the huge tribute paid to him by a number of students who studied with him, yeah. particularly in the seventies and eighties. And there have been a, a large number of people coming forward to, after they heard about his death saying quite what he meant to them you know how did that feel well you... i understood i understood yeah. that completely and also because i teach in yeah, the yeah. Dra- the world of dramatic art <laughs> so i understand what it is to have that relationship with students and how important students are and yeah. and how much you care for your students and when you really commit your life to these students of course you're going to develop this great bond and they only see the best of you yeah, you know they're yeah. only going to see the best of you they're only going to see a particular side of you 
uh, which is you kind of on fire in the room inspiring people. Yeah. And that's, that's a privilege. That's a real privilege. Teaching is an absolute privilege. And I think he was considered to be a very fine teacher. Did you ever feel the... I'm only saying this. Like, did you ever feel the urge to be like... That's not what he was really like. No, I never feel that. You're so stoic. Well, you didn't. You just you just went. So when people, because I've never forgotten. I was walking down the street with you once, and someone stopped us. Do you remember this was years ago? And someone was like, "You're Ivan Makedo's son." Oh my god! (laughs) No, I don't remember this. Yeah, they started saying to you, "Oh my god, your father." Oh my god! And they Mm, were like, and you were very kind, polite, and said thank you. And then you just walked off, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I don't really talk to him." And I remember being like, "What? What? (laughs) Like your dad's his famous tap Like the way you know, it was like such a um, juxtaposition. But you, well, I, I I guess you're used to it. I cannot judge what he was to other people. Yeah, and um. He was an inspiration to people, no doubt about it. So that's great that they had that. I I just think that that would be very petty of me to try and say, oh, no, you don't know what he was really like. (laughs) You know, I think that would be not in my nature to do that. No, it's not. But again, I think that's a real strength. I think that's a real strength of that peace that you have to separate this. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure it comes with other problems. But to be able to, I think it sounds like you really see him as a person, which I think a lot of people don't. They still talk, and I find this, I still find it very hard not to be the 15-year-old, to be the child. I think it takes quite a lot of therapy, time and courses to see them very equally as a person. That's interesting. I think that last argument that we had that we were talking about earlier was probably the first time we spoke to each other man to man. Wow. Where it wasn't, no more, it wasn't really in the the lens of father-son as much as it was... These things need to be said between two people. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're being said. And I guess that must have helped you feel, not calm, but like it was said. It was it, said. It was done. Yeah, yeah. it was said. And it so said. so then your mum died 18 years ago and you said you then lost the rest of the family. Yeah. Did that I happen mean, soon or was that like sort of just over Well, I had years? quite a big family on my mother's side and um, my mother really was the sort of linchpin oh, of that. So yeah. when my mother went... Life just went in different directions, and so I, sad, isn't it? yeah, I mean, all those, all the members of my mother's family are, are close and made efforts to continue to keep seeing each other mm-hmm. and uh, keep the family together. But I sort of extricated myself from that, and wow. I think that was part of my coping mechanism. Yeah. I think this is all about retreating into oneself so that you can yeah. figure it all out yeah. and be a better person. And for me, it was not going to come in the family setup which I know uh, is is the cause of some regret and grievance for people in my family. Oh, really? Some who are still alive and some who are not. Yeah. But all I can say is that's, uh, that is what I had to do to survive. Yeah. Um, for good or ill, that's what I did. So you kind of... So I lost contact with yeah, a lot of, lost of that family and then, of course, heard that they died and went to various funerals yeah, yeah, over yeah. the years. Funeral, you know, it's the funeral <laughs> age. It's the funeral age. It's the, it's the sad age of funerals and friends with cancer. <laughs> been listening to friends with cancer <laughs> with Caroline. it's a lovely sunny day it's out lo- there Caroline. Oh, no, here it's we so are nice. talking about cancer in a really hot room as well in a hot room um yeah. it's i just find it really sorry i think i'm being i'm being more what's the word nosy than i would with another guest because i because i do know you so i'm feel free to tell me i'm taking liberties oh no no i just away. find it interesting that you have that sort of self-knowledge to extricate yourself in that way like cause again i think a lot of people so my, my dad dies. My dad dies. I'm 15. Six months later, my grandpa died. And he was the patriarch. He was in charge mm. of everything. It was my dad's dad. And he literally just gave up. He yeah. couldn't cope. 
And I, I've said it before. He just walked around and he just kept saying to me, it's not right, Cariad. It's the wrong way around. And he just gave up. And he was the linchpin. Right. He held everything together. And after he died, this family that had supported me and loved me and been around just fell apart. Like everybody yeah. felt all these aunts and uncles and cousins that suddenly just aren't part of your life anymore. And I, for years, <laughs> would be like desperately trying to get people back together, desperately. And I remember being so frustrated that people wouldn't, you know, like, we are a family. We should cut. And it took me a long time to be like, there was a lot of stuff going on. Mm. And that's why. We were being protected. Yeah, I was yeah. being protected. And I think... Um, I think it takes great maturity to sort of... And my brother had that a little bit, actually. I remember him saying to me once, like, just because you're related to people doesn't mean you like them or you have to go on with them. And I was like, <laughs> no, we're all in this together. Like, I have such a thing of, like, wanting everyone to still be around. But I think it takes... I think my brother has as well. It takes a lot of strength to extricate yourself, is what I'm trying to say. To say, for my own survival, I need to not be yeah. part of this. So I think that's just a different kind of strength. Your strength yeah. of t- trying to keep a family together is... It's just a, an equal kind of strength. Yeah. It's just it's just in a different direction, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's community it is in a, di- it is it's in a different direction, which is why it's it must be hard if you, like you said, causing grievances. I guess if other yeah. people were like, no, we we need to come together in this situation. But I think the way you put it was really nice. Of like, we're treating to work out what's going on, mm. and I think I'm at the other end of the scale, which is coming together to work out what's going on. So it's exactly this wanting the same thing of like, I want us all to be in the room so we can figure out what the fuck just happened. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you're like, I want to be alone so I can figure out what the fuck just happened. Yes. Yeah. Ah, well, maybe that's an introvert extrovert thing. Yeah, yeah. My way of coping is to talk and express and, you know, yeah, communicate with people. But your, yeah, your way of coping is to go in and have that conversation. And what's interesting is you're having, we're having the same conversations, Mm. but you're having it with yourself. And I'm just having it with someone else. But they are the same, conv- you yeah, know what I mean? It's the yeah. same thing of like, why did this happen? What does this mean? Who am I? Yeah. And I find, I did have it with myself, but I just suppose I just find it easier to just talk it out. Always easier to talk it out. It's like if I am left alone too long, the conversation doesn't happen. It just like sort of festers. Yeah. Well, that, that talking to oneself is, is often out loud. <laughs> yeah, just hopefully yeah. not on a tube. But it is, it is you know, it's definitely yeah. words that are... Voice, given voice, yeah, and yeah. I have to hear them. Yeah. Uh, I have to hear myself saying them. Oh, wow. That rather than me... just things rattling around my head. That makes me feel better because I have to hear them. Mm. And that's why I I need someone else to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, did you hear them? Yes. Good. Then I'm not. But you, so you do speak out loud to yourself? Oh, definitely. And oh. I have to check that I'm not doing it in public as I get older. <laughs> I'm of an age now, Karen. I'm, I'm of an age. I'm of an age where I, you know, find food on me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's like, how did that get there? I must be in my forties. <laughs> so yeah, I have to check myself. Yeah, I like I like my own company, and I like hearing myself talk to myself. <laughs> um, you know, I enjoy it, and um, I, I get a lot of strength and solace yeah, from that. I, I think do. That's really nice. But it's nice as it's really nice as someone who needs to talk to someone to know that because I think I always. You put value judgments on it. So I'm like, oh, if I was stronger, I wouldn't need to talk to someone. Yeah. It's actually it's nice to go, oh, no, you, you are just, just, you just haven't got an audience. I oh, was, no. They, I always require like I say, these are not pejorative terms. I mean, yeah. the processes, and as you've pointed out, they're the same processes. It's just that yeah, either they're done yeah. with other people or you're doing them with the other people in your own head. Yeah, you know, the yeah. other voices that you carry around sort of from yeah. your past and your childhood or whatever. So uh, it's the same yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's the same process. It's just expressed in a slightly different manner. I think it's really nice if you can, because <clears throat> we come from different ends of the scale, to understand that 
what someone else is doing is the same. Because yeah. I definitely suffered from that with my brother, I think, and other members of the family being like, they're not doing it how I am, therefore they're not doing it, or they're mm. not doing it right, or they don't understand what I'm doing. You know, that because I think especially as a family, and it must have, I think you and your sister are amazing that you were able to very much respect each other's process. I think it's a lot easier if you can just look at someone and go, they are doing it, just mm. not the way I would. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's not like that process isn't happening. But also, you know, you were 15. And yeah. That's a yeah, very different that. thing. That's a really... <laughs> I forget. Yeah. Because you know, this is the thing we talked about before. When you're 15, you think you, you, think you know everything. So mm. it's still very hard to accept that I was, oh, yes, I was a, a child. Like, I said that to my husband recently of like, I was like, oh, but why did I do that? And he was like, you were 15. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I still, I judge myself very similarly to as I would now in my 30s. I'm like, no, no, it's the same person. Because I am the same person, but obviously, you know, yeah. you're you're not. You're not. Now you are essentially an orphan in the yes definition tr- dictionary sense. I'm of a the traditional word. orphan. Traditional Governor. orphan, <laughs> covered in food. Yeah, covered, covered in mystery food. <laughs> Directing improv shows. Did it feel any different? Like when you knew, like you said, when your dad was okay, he's dead. That's it. It's just me and my sister now. Or did it just feel like it felt quite peaceful? Yeah, it felt quite peaceful. It felt that, um, like I say, his suffering was now over my sister i was i very much hope can you know have some of her life back yeah although that that's unfair to say because it makes it sound like she didn't have a like that was her choice and her passion and her Mm. love and she wanted to care for him and have her relationship with her father um in that way and she did that and all power to her for doing so so i don't mean to i'm not yeah, my, yeah, my, my choice it. of words was clumsy, that's all. Yeah. But I, I'd love her to have some peace for herself. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been a, a tempestuous ride for her. Cool, yeah, for both of you, it sounds. Like I said, it's the same process, just done very, very differently. Well, she was the one, you know, dealing with the like hands-on, physical, full-time yeah, care of an yeah. elderly man yeah. uh, for a long period of time. And a man who was not easy and could be very unpleasant. And, yeah. You know, so she did all of that and continued admirably, yeah. really admirably. And I must ask, because I've got, what was your mum's name? Jill. Jill. So Jill and Evil Megiddo. Jill and Evil. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Thank you. I can't, I, I can't believe I talked about it. <laughs> How do you feel now? Do you feel all right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. good. Was it, was it okay? <laughs> it's great. No, yeah. thank you. It was really good. Do you need to go away and have a talk with yourself about it? Uh, we can talk about it. Okay. Once it's finished. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks. <laughs> you can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Megiddo, and you can also see him with the Showstoppers. If you head to the showstoppers.org, you can find out details of their shows. They're currently in the West End, they're going to Edinburgh, and they're on tour all around the UK. Do go and see the show, it's amazing. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast, and you can email me, thegriefcast at gmail.com. Also, if you get a chance, please do rate, review and subscribe if you've enjoyed the show. It really does help other people find out about us. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios and the music is provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. <laughs>